podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is brought to you by Progressive. Are you thinking more about how to tighten up your budget these days? Drivers who save by switching to Progressive save over $700 on average, and customers can qualify for an average of six discounts when they sign up. A little off your rate each month goes a long way. Get a quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customers surveyed in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Discounts vary and are not available in all states and situations. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. The pressure's off, you feel it, but you got it all, believe it. When you fold it up, oh, oh, and if you fold it up, eh, Cause this is Africa. This time for Africa. Waka waka, it's the day trippers. More analysis of the campaign just ended on tonight's show and we conclude our review of the season just finished with an in-depth look at the midfield, the goalkeeper and the manager. A thinly populated bunker is joined by Moley on the line who will be talking transfer targets and we'll finish out with another selection of your listeners' questions. Right, let's begin by looking at the evolution of the midfield over the course of the season. Overall, it was a tremendously successful progression but there were glaring difficulties which recurred again at the death. We'll start, though, with the runaway success story. That was Jordan Henderson. His centrality to Rodgers' Liverpool was never more obvious than in his absence for those crucial end-of-season games. Moley, a hell of a season from the young man. Yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic this season. He's really proved his worst. I said earlier in an earlier pod that I believe that he's now the best English midfielder in the Premier League at the moment, and I stand by that. I think he's going to be a guaranteed starter for England in the World Cup, and he's probably going to be future Liverpool captain as well. You know, he still has room to improve, though, especially in the, the, the shooting department. You know, he his goal-scoring record's not that great, and even when he gets close to the goals, he's often fluffed it up. Brother than that, he's got a tremendous engine in him. He can pass, he can tackle, uh, like if we saw in that Arsenal game when he took the ball off of Ozil, like he wasn't even there. Mm-hmm. You know, he was so superb in that game in particular. So yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic this season, and. I really can't wait to see what he's bringing for the next couple of years. It looks like he's going to sign a new contract in the summer. That's right. I think that that's that. There's rumours that that's almost done. I think. Yeah, it is. It's, well, you know, Brendan Rodgers obviously signed his deal today. Yeah. So once that is done, you would expect now the couple of players like the Henderson, Flanagan, probably I even heard rumours of Sterling, even though he's only signed a deal not long ago, mm-hmm. that he's going to get a new deal this summer. So I expect a few of those lads to be signing on again this summer. Excellent. Uh, Andy Young, the point at the start that I was saying, but we really noticed how good Henderson was when we didn't have him. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it, it, it's it stuck out really, didn't it? I mean, it, it was was no coincidence that we lacked that sort of drive across in the whole the whole team. Really, you know, he was he was sorely missed, and you know the, what we've seen from Henderson this year, like it's just wet our appetite, really. You know, when Kenny brought him in, everyone was wondering, you know, Jesus, is this fella any use at all? But a lot of people started seeing something in him and kind of had a bit of faith, like, you know. And the thing about a player like Henderson, he hasn't got standout attributes other than the fact that he's he's mad, like, and he runs, like, fuck all day for you. Mm. But other than that, like, he just has a bit about him in every department, mm. you know. And I think if, if he keeps going the way he's going... You know, I think I'll agree with Molly. Like he probably will become that best English midfielder. You know, in the league. Uh, but as as Molly says, it's the shooting department that needs you know needs improving. I think if he can do that, then he becomes a top top midfielder. Like because you know all the top midfielders score goals, and Henderson's just in the box. He's he just lacks that little bit. So if you you know if you're going to be a top midfielder, you need to have them goals. And not be kind of frightened in the box, which is what he seems to just sort of freeze a little bit, you know, and mm-hmm. he, he just lacks that confidence. But again, he's only young, and I think coming off that the season he's had there, and he'll know he that team missed him. Yeah. You know, he'll be looking at that thinking, Jesus, like, you know, and he might feel like he's let them down, and next season he could say, Jeez, we could be looking at a serious player like. Yeah, yeah, uh, that added motivation or whatever. Mm-hmm. Phil, we love a told you so shit in this pod, and I, I'd have to say now, I was one of the people who always did like uh, the cut of Henderson's jib, even when Kenny insisted on playing him on the, 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 the wide side of midfield. Um, if you ever saw him playing for the 21s, he's that metronomic midfielder that you want, just keep thing taking over. He can do that for us, not just be the energy bunny, can't he? Yeah, um, Anderson for me, I, I, I'm a long time fan. Andy knows that I, I was praising him even when he wasn't wasn't particularly playing well um, for, for the club back in uh, under Kenny um, before Rogers came in, and even when you know there was talk about him going to Fulham as part of a Clint Dempsey deal. Like it's not that long ago; yeah, it's, it's it's two summers ago when 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 there was talk of him leaving. Um, I, I think the one thing that for Jordan Henderson has always been he he thrives on confidence, and what, what Rogers has done is has has, has filled his confidence endlessly and this season was was the output of it you could see it in pre-season he was out playing Joe Allen who looked like Joe Allen was the nail on starter for the team in, in that midfield mm. um, and he outplayed him and it was, I remember the game in the Aviva when they played Celtic in the last pre-season friendly and, and Henderson was, was, was about two or three levels above Joe, Joe Allen on the day and what he did was that basically cemented his place for the opening game of the season. And what what Henderson has brought us right the way through the season is a level of energy that when we were playing the Lucas and Gerard axis, which we'll talk about later, he was the one that was basically carrying their water and doing their pressing for them. Um, and he, he ended up turning himself out in that early part of the season by, with the workload that was involved in. And he then later on became liberated when when we went to that sort of two in front of the one because he had somebody else to help him out and he didn't have to do as much running and as much covering as it is. Mm. And he says that he, you know, he has a bit of everything but he probably doesn't excel in anything. I think his passing over the, over the course of the season yeah. has, has really gone up a level. I can remember some of the switch plays that he was doing, those long raking balls, very Gerard-esque, a young Gerard-esque in terms of deliveries. 
what pass was the, I remember it was one he went from inside his own half on the right hand side was it against um, I can't remember who was it was I think it was against Tottenham and he switched the ball right the way out to the far left wing onto, onto Sterling's mm. foot and one of the things and it was just majestic mm. passes and he was pulling out a few of them during the course of the season and yet his next progression is to bring goals into his game um, but you know the other thing that I love about Henderson he's he's unboundedly happy when he when, when he's playing in that team like going back to remember the Cardiff game and we, we all talk about the back heel from storage to, 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 to Suarez for the goal and Henderson is left like a bunny on the edge <laughs> oh, of the 18 yard box fun. and he's just he's, he's yeah. just celebrating the goal he knows what's going to happen next and that, that enthusiasm and joy that he also brings to the team it's, it's, it's infectious to what he has and as I said he, he's a confidence player he goes out to he goes out as part of the England squad this year full of confidence and, and like a lot of the England team do going to that World Cup and the, the, at the moment the guy has, has, has a massive um, ceiling on his potential because if he brings scoring into his game he reminds me an awful lot of a young Frank Lampard mm. Mm. people might like that comparison in, in terms of who it is but he, he you know he goes box to box without effort he's able to cover defensively but at the same time if we break he's going to be one of the ones that's getting into the box with, 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 even with yeah. the pace that we have and if he adds goals to his game he could easily become a 15-20 goal a season midfielder because he's always there he's always around the edge of the box he just needs to pick his finishing up and you've got to say Rodgers' coaching of this player has been absolutely exceptional to the point that, that Molia said he does look captain material because he takes leadership on his shoulders and he's not afraid to, to, to you know you've seen him bollock team bollock, butter players in the second half of the season mm. He's got a real bit about him. There's, there's, there's that X factor has now come into his game and we've seen a Jordan Henderson that now 16 million of a price tag is, you say, that's, that's you know, what could he be? Yeah. He could be a 25 million, he could be a 30 million pound player in a couple of years' time. You know yeah. what I mean? You'd, you'd easily pay 16 million for the Jordan Henderson that played for us this year. You'd often hear fellas like criticise Gerrard over the years that he drift in and out of games. Mm. Like Henderson's a type of player that's always involved in where it's happening on the pitch. Whether that's the pressing, defending, yeah. or when we're attacking, he just always seems to be involved, and that's why you do liken him to Lampard. You know, mm. like Lampard's late late arrivals into the box, just the, just the time, and if he Jesus Christ, like if he if he if he, if he got what Lampard has and that finishing ability, oh. I you mean. Know. And he has it. You've seen some of the finishes he's had in his locker over the course of the mm-hmm. season. Like when he wraps his foot around it, instead of trying to blast it, you know, he's able. His passing is so good. Like in, in terms of on the pitch, if he passes it into the net, he scores. They're the goals that he tends to score. Well, we'll come yeah. to we'll come to all the others. But can you imagine a world in which he can score, Joala can actually score, and Philippe Coutinho can score on a regular basis instead of dragging those low shots across the face yeah. of goal? Good God, that's a tremendous. You don't even need many. If you could get seven goals a season from them, you're yeah. adding another 21 yeah. goals to your team. But I think that's where us and maybe City differed a little bit. Like, okay, we were ruthless with Suarez and Sturridge. You know, they took their chances, but we weren't. We weren't ruthless elsewhere in the pitch. You mm. know what I mean? Like, obviously, there was other players cropped up with goals more than they have in previous seasons. Like, you know, but we're just just that lack that ruthlessness. You know, mm. and. Henson, I could see improving there. Like Alan, I'm not so sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, as you say, because we've kind of seen it from Henderson in patches. Like, yeah, you've seen that it's possible. You know, and I think if he's not given the time, he just he sticks in the top corner. But if he has a little bit to think about it, mm. it's you know, yeah. it's, you know, it's yeah, funny. yeah. Well, speaking of 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 Henderson and his mobility. That, alongside Coutinho and Allen, pretty much facilitated a bit of a rebirth for Steven Gerrard as, as a deep-lying midfielder. But this only came about, Phil, as a, a result of 
something that was forced on, on, on Brendan, that's the absence of Lucas through injury. Up until then, there were some serious issues with lack of legs, covering, that kind of thing between the captain and the Brazilian. Looking to the future, if we're going to see Jared reprising this role, uh, where, where he had a wonderful, wonderful second half of the season, it's probably likely to be without uh, Lucas Slavin, the team. Yeah, and I think it's fair. Look, again, last season, Lucas had a full pre-season under his belt. Um, he came back from his injury and everyone was prepared to give him the chance to, to come back into the actual team and, you know, show the level of... He was never blessed with pace, but he was he was quicker before he had the actual knee injury and, mm. and the subsequent injuries after it. Um, and even from the open, if you remember the, f- the first half of the season, we seemed to be a, a forced first half, to, uh, a, yeah, for a half one team in terms of that we'd play an exceptional first half and we'd seem to drop off in the second half. And if we switch it to the second half of the season when Lucas started coming back in, his first cameo was in West Ham when he comes on at half time and he puts in a great shift for 45 minutes. When he started the games from then on, he used to fade terribly in the second half of the actual matches. And I think there's now um, the pace that we play at. And I'm, I don't want to get on Lucas's back for him as a player, right? But I just don't think he fits the style of the team. And whereas Gerard is able to adapt because he has got such a range of passing, he he's able to play it quickly and very direct the way that we were counter-attacking on the thing and really fits in. And to Gerard's credit, and I know we'll talk a bit more, but to Gerard's credit, he also developed his tactical side of the game as a defensive midfielder. He was reading space better. He was closing areas better. He drops in into that gap between the centre-backs, you know, filling that get, that that shape that right. That just wants them to play in I just felt that Lucas looked like a player who would who couldn't adapt to the type of football that we were playing it wasn't that slow 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 tempo anymore mm. it was a real fast aggressive passing tempo that we played with and he likes to take a touch see what's on then give it whereas we need players who are instinctive in their passing that can play those quick triangles and get us move up the pitch quicker and yes we go back to when we talked about Lucas and Gerrard and I think you can accommodate one of the two of them. Um, and when Gerard, it was Gerard who got injured initially, if you remember, mm. and it, it allowed us to play the two in, in Allen. That's right, yeah, Alan, and that and, worked. Yeah, Allen and Henderson ahead of Lucas, and it worked because we had the five nil at uh, five. It was five five one at Tottenham, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, Jesus, it's so long ago now. I can't <laughs> but no, we we had it, and at that stage, Lucas uh, was was sitting is the deepest, and Henderson and Allen were doing all the pressing and able to go box to box and it, it was able to negate the fact that Lucas couldn't do that amount of running anymore um, and then he gets injured Gerard comes back into the team and plays that role and plays it better than Lucas let's be honest about it that's what happens that's what happens yeah. um, and we do then suffer when Lucas comes back into the team towards the end of the season yeah. and that's look again I'd say it's not Lucas as such it's just that he's a different style of midfielder and doesn't fit the way we're the way Rodgers has changed the team and the, the way the game is played slightly in terms of the pace of the game that he wants to play at. Yeah, Molly, Barr as an alternative perhaps for Stevie. It's hard to see uh, Luke Slava getting too many games next season, isn't it? Yeah, I said near the end of the season that uh, Lucas should never play for Liverpool again. And I'll explain why. Like, what is he worth in the, the transfer market? It's probably eight to, eight to ten million. Like, you, you can't tell me that we can't get a player out there for eight to ten million that is better than Lucas Levia at the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is look at the, the United teams through the 2000s that, that won everything. The reason they did that is they were constantly improving on the playing staff. If they had a player there that just wasn't up to scratch, they were improving getting a player in. And I think that's what we need to look at now in the future, is that looking at the players to say, right, you're just not good enough. And we've got to move you out. And we've got to get a better player in. And I think Lucas most certainly falls under that category. Yeah. No. I, I know he's not, he's not probably one of those players that were actively looking to sell this summer, but I've a I've a feeling if a bid of eight to ten million was going to come in, he'd be shipped out. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy, if if we're going to see Stevie continue in that wonderful form that we saw him in the second half of the season where uh, he seemed to finally twig what it was that Rodgers wanted and it was just kind of an alignment of the stars really, everything came together and uh, willingness from him to do it as well. If we're going to see him continue in that role and I think that's what Rodgers wants, what kind of players do we need to be looking at to bring in? Molly's suggesting there that perhaps... Um, we need to look at a different type um, uh, other than Lucas. Yeah, like I think like, I think Lucas's Liverpool career is as good as over. Now, like he maybe might last another season as a squad player, but it's as good as over. He's not versatile like most of the Liverpool players are now, and Rodgers is all about players that can do different things. Like you saw him there when he struggled by Rogers just moving him a little bit further up the pitch like he was so he just he just exposed them so much like you know and he's just like you just look at him and think you know we we'd we a good we he'd a good few seasons with him and he feels sorry for the player but football's like that you know it just might be time for him to move on and I think he's suited to a player with a team that maybe wait for teams more you know, mm. that's his that's his type. Yeah, you know. Phil says he could go somewhere else and be very, yeah, very effective. Yeah, absolutely. I mean in the Rafa teams where we used to invite teams on, we just wait for them. Yeah. We just wait and wait and wait and then just force the error, uh, you know, not necessarily counter attack fast. That's not really what we were all about either. But just what what Liverpool and what Rogers is doing at the moment is just not Lucas. Like put it this way, you couldn't imagine him buying a player that just does that one job yeah. now. Like, look at all the targets now. I don't know how many are true or, or not. But they can all kind of play a few positions. Um, and with Gerard being the first name on the team sheet every week, this, if, unless he gets injured, there's no place for Lucas. Mm. So is Lucas at 27 in his kind of prime going to want to hang around? So it's just one of those things now. Like, you move Lucas on and you mightn't get a player, like Molly says, for 8 million that's better, but it's certainly a good trade in. You know, if you get eight and nine million for them and then you buy a player for fourteen million, you don't need to put an awful lot to it. And all of a sudden you have a player like that that can do a little bit more. Mm. And Lucas is going to be a very unhappy player at Liverpool mm. next season if he stays. Yeah. So whereas you bring in, I don't know, some of our targets like Jan or whatever, like gonna play a few different positions. Like if Gerard is holding a player out at defensive midfield role, they're not gonna sit there sulking. Yeah, you know, there's, yeah. there's other parts of the game they can play. Yeah, but yeah. poor old Lucas, like you know, wish him all the best. I think he's gone. Well, you'd have to. The, yeah, and, have to. and the other thing about it is right. What Lucas has showed us, and it's it, it's worthwhile. It's why an awful lot of Liverpool fans have had the patience with Henderson coming through. Is that by looking at Lucas, we've seen that the, the, there's a player that didn't get off necessarily to the best starts in terms of the fan base, in terms of what he was doing on the pitch, but he did turn it around. He did have a very good spell for us when we were in the, in the doldrums and was was a, was a real sort of fill up to to what was going on on the actual pitch mm. and gave so much heart and is is loved for the character that he is as opposed to what he's now bringing to the team and I wouldn't want I wouldn't wish anything but the best from if he does actually leave us this season and I'd like to see him go on and have a successful career wherever he goes to and are we really now the possibility that there's any sort of rehabilitation possible for him in 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 a, in a maybe a spelling in for Jared every so often type well, of I don't way. I don't see a, again exactly what Andy says and exactly what Brendan said to you at the at the press conference mm. he wants he's not planning on having a big squad he wants to have a small squad with multi talented players and players who can play in in different positions because it means that he can keep 
keep a, keep a tighter, smaller squad, mm-hmm. and that allows him then to keep players happy. Something that Andy has touched on. If you have players that can fill in at different spots, they will always be getting games, and you don't have disruption in the actual squad itself. Mm-hmm. And if he needs to bring players in, he knows he has a strong backbone of good talent coming through the youth ranks as well that he's not afraid to use. So look, let, let's be honest about it. I agree with Andy. I think I think Lucas, if he gets a chance to leave himself will actually now look to go to Pastors New because he knows he'll get more game time somewhere else. Yeah, fair enough. Well, it's going to be perfect for Italian football yeah. if he does head over. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and which is what he's being linked with mainly. He is being linked with. Reunite with Rafa or whatever. Well, let's hope that works out for him if, if that is the case. Uh, look, initially most of us thought that Felipe Coutinho was, was going to be a number 10 or someone who just do an effective job either on the right or left side of a front three. But this season, we've seen a fellow who's proven himself to be very much a midfielder, uh, displaying a lot of strength, doggedness, ability to press, tackle. Is he now, Andy, a 40-game-a-season man, or is he still going to go on being a home-match player? Or you know, how? Yeah, it's a funny one, all right, like... I don't personally see him in the team every week. You, you know, you can kind of think of five or six players that are going to play no matter what. And then in and around there with a fit squad, like Coutinho's going to come in and out of the team. Depending on the type of game, you know, you're playing, be a home or away. So no, the straight answer is I don't think he's going to be that 40-game player. You know, just depending on what what's, what's necessary on the day, mm. you'll have Coutinho coming in and out. And that's 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 just a simple answer to it. Mm. Um, I I wasn't hugely impressed with him early on in the season. I mean, I think we look back now and it seems like he had a, an incredible season, but yeah. he didn't really. Yeah, you know, he didn't really impress early on in the season. He came into it he, as a lot of players did in that eleven game run. Came into their best form, and we seen we seen brilliant things from from Coutinho. We sure we seen brilliant things from a lot of players. Yeah. So he's one of those player players that. If he's not in form, he forces things and he frustrates, you know. So you can't really accommodate a player every single game that's going to do that. Yeah. So the answer to your question is I can't see him playing every game. And you think, does he seem to be the kind of, I mean, to be fair to the guy, he's done it in the big matches. I, I don't know. I think we've all been like sort of maybe taking a, a, a break and then looked over a lot of the highlights of the season. And for me, the moment of the season was his winner against City. I mean, that's just fucking amazing. I yeah. was like, I was excited all over again watching it, you know? Yeah, it, it was a moment. Like, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of um, people like, would say near the end of the season, is this, is this our year? Mm. You know, it kind of was our year. Like, you know, yeah. teams like City set out, they're going to win the league. Like, you know, for us to finish second, it was our year, and our one of our moments of the year was that. Yeah, for sure. You know, it was it was that that gave us a chance of winning the league. It was that that kind of got the dream alive. Yeah, you know. So, um, and as you say, that that was a huge game, and he was he was he was decent in it. Like he was putting in challenges, and he was putting himself about. Like which is not so when I when I first seen him arrive, and I done a little bit of research and reading up about him, he was a player that was supposed to let you down. Mm. Well, if he was going to be capable of reproducing that kind of form and that kind of intensity over uh, a season, would that make the difference? Do you think in, in him being involved weekly? Just don't, just don't see it like that. You just don't, just don't see it happening like that for him. Like he's, he's, he's one of the top players. Like he is one of our best players, mm. and he probably play in the big games, especially mm. at home. Mm. But 
no, I just don't. I, I, I see him making way for one of the make way players, like, you know, yeah, yeah. and there'll be a few of them. Yeah. Molly, um, for you over the course of the season, what, what were Coutinho's highlights? And, you know, we, we're speaking about him there as a player who can maybe unlock a door. Clearly, he has a tremendous vision, but he's added a lot to his game this season as well, hasn't he? Yeah, isn't it? That's where I disagree with Andy. I've been really impressed with uh, Coutinho this season. And, you know, and, and unlike Lucas, I think he was probably unlucky not to make the Brazilian World Cup squad. Mm. So when, when he first came along, he played that number 10 role and we saw those lovely true balls that he can play and so on. And we thought, well, what a player we have in our hands. But this season, he's shown a lot more than that. He, can, he shows he can play in that midfield three. He, he tracks back an awful lot. He can tackle. His dribbling is coming on leaves and bounds. No. Fair enough, his shooting is probably atrocious. I know he got that goal against City. It was foot, that was one out of ten times that he would do that. Normally he's dragged wide. But other than that, I, I think he's been fantastic this season. Will he play 40 games a season? No, I, I don't think he will. But I think that's more got to do that he still has come to terms with the, the pace of the Premier League than anything else, you know. He, he really is a fantastic player. Maybe next year we're going to see... A lot more from him because he's he's only been at the club a year and a half. So you know, next season he's going to be more settled, more used to the players around him. Yeah, yeah. So I think he could be much better again next season. But no, but I, I've been really impressed with him this season. I think he's been fantastic overall. Phil, talk to us a little bit about Coutinho, but also then maybe lead us in to talk about Joe Allen, who's another man who, for one reason or another, hasn't had uh, as many games under his belt as he could have had with injury. He's been he's been very unlucky in that regard. Talk to me about the two guys and do you see them being part of a, a regular eleven? Okay, um on Coutinho, I, I was amazed at the his ability when he moved to centre midfield um and in as one of the two pressing two that we had. Um I, I thought it really freed him. I thought you know, up when he was playing in the number ten role or playing on, on the left side of, of of the front three, he always felt like to me he because he had such a good start and was able to deliver those killer balls constantly all the time in that thing, that he seemed to that that was his thing, and he thought he had to do it in every game. And when he moved, when he dropped back a bit, the onus was on him less to provide that type of incisive ball, and that liberated him over the course over the course of that run in because mm. he was able to just be able to play his game, play it naturally, not not have to force things and not have to try play it all the time. I've been personally really impressed with him as, as a midfielder, and again, I go back to his age. He's only a kid in, in football terms, and to to show again that versatility in his own in his own play and where he can play for us is phenomenal. And like again, his ceiling, like Henderson's, is unbelievable. And 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 let's have it right; it's actually development, isn't it? Rather than yeah. even showing versatility, it's like it's a new thing. He's, like, yeah. it was a revelation to watch him snapping at the tackles. Like, and I look at it and. I always thought when when I saw Suso play for us and I, I saw him play for the, the 19s and the 21s for Spain, again, he's the type of player that used to play in that role mm. in the Spanish centre midfield as opposed to playing in a front three where we tend to, to, tended to play Suso when he was in the team the season beforehand. But what Coutinho has over Suso is he has a much more a, a dogged spirit in him in terms of he's prepared to chase press and he's actually a decent enough tackler and he wins a massive amount of tackles and a massive amount of balls for us. And that's seriously impressive for a kid who isn't physically big, but is able to more than stand up to the bigger, more physical, supposed units in the Premiership mm. and knock them over mm. half the time. A bit like Sterling's growth in terms of being able to you know, be physically powerful and dominant when he plays on the pitch. Coutinho has developed that into his game as well. And I think going forward, his, 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 where he will play will be more in that central midfield as opposed to the front three. And again, won't be necessarily in 10, but in one of those two midfield slots alongside, you know, in, in, in the actual central midfield. And that's fantastic for us will he play 40 games yes he probably will 
mm. um, purely because of the amount of games that we're going to have to play. He's, if, if he's not playing, he's going to be on the bench. And the one thing we know is that he's an impact sub as well. He can come on and he can change games. So am I worried about... No, I never have a worry about this. Will he play X amount of games or won't? In the squad that we have, he will play an awful lot of football. He will give us options from the bench. And that's exactly what you need in a squad. And we need not to be worried about are they going to be in the first 11 on, on day one of the season. They will be in the first 11 and they will have to contribute over the course of the season if we're to replicate what we did. Joe Allen again the emergence of Joe Allen over the last few games that we had we actually started to see the Joe Allen that we all thought we'd signed mm. he sit naturally into that position it's his natural position in midfield and he knits the play together so we have two players that can go box, box to box well these are things that we know about Joe Allen he, he's a player of undoubted quality mm. there's a perception of Joe Allen and that's a kind of dialogue I'm having with one or two people all over the course of the season that he doesn't have the physicality, that he does tend to lose out in tackles on a regular basis. Um, is that unfair? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. I, I really like Joe Allen and I think he's... The, Joe, like, the one thing that our team doesn't tend to go in for is those blunderbuss tackles. The, the intelligence there is a bit more in that we try to nick a ball because if you nick yeah. a ball, you're in control of the ball and you can start a really quick counter-attack, right? Mm. And Allen is brilliant at that. The other thing he's brilliant at is you can play the ball into him with two players around him and he has that... He has that awareness to be able to shield the ball, lay it back off or turn the right direction and free himself up and play a ball into space and then make himself available again. It's a very old type of Liverpool player. Mm. Again, it's the pass and move. He passes, he moves on, he receives a pass and it goes another way or whatever. And it's like, he's never going to, he's not going to be the Frank Lampard type. He's not going to be the one that scores a lot of goals. He doesn't have goals in his game and that doesn't bother me. But what he does do is he allows us to nip play together. He gives Gerrard an option or whoever's playing that defensive midfield, he gives them a sound option to be able to play the ball into and play it on again and that we can retain possession and move the ball quickly up the pitch to to where our, where we're best at which is in the attacking front front end of the pitch mm, Fair enough Ok let's change the focus a little bit now and look to, look at the goalkeeper um, Simon Mignolet now you'd have to say that his shop stopping is pretty much unquestionably excellent um, that's been worth points to us over the course of the season but there are issues that have been there from the start and continue to be there right till the end relating to his command of his box his distribution kicking um sketchiness in possession um, what is success for you overall Phil as our uh, resident keeper uh, uh, expert ok this this thing puzzles me all the time right <laughs> yes he was successful over the course of the season he won us more points than he lost his points mm. ok um, did he make a load of mistakes no did he make any more mistakes than you'd expect from a top goalkeeper no Um does he need to improve massively? Yes. Mm. In my opinion, to, to nail down that spot for the next seven to ten years, he needs to improve his distribution, his command of the box, and his speed of distribution. I, I'm always banging on about the speed of distribution. Mm. You know, when he slows it down, he allows teams to set up against us and allows people to win possession back off us. When he moves it quickly, and the times he has moved it quickly, he, he, you know, it's been much more effective for us as well. Um, is he getting better? Yes. He is getting better. I thought on the run-in that we had, some of the stops that he made, again, were phenomenal and kept us in games and, and, and did big things. But uh, you need him, in the absence of real leaders in the back four, you need him to be a leader. I also want to see his starting position be much higher in the box than where it is at the moment. When I look at our defence, we are talking about the defence getting deep in us and we talked about that Mignolet was screaming at them to get out, get out, get out. But if he starts pushing up in his own box, right, the defence will naturally move up because they don't want him playing as, as the third centre-back between them. Mm. 
And going back to Reina, and this is not Reina is better than Mignolet. What Reina, Reina always had a really high position, starting position in the box. And he used to be always praised for his sweeping abilities. But that's because he would be on the edge of his D. So if a ball came over the top, it didn't rely on your centre-backs to get back to it, mm-hmm. to, to pick it up. He was able to get out to 10, 15 yards to, to, you know, to, to sweep a ball and, and take control of it and, and cut out that pass. That's the, one of the biggest things I see Mignolet having to improve. It's a good point, but is it, is it not complicated very, very much by the nature of the way that Jared currently plays, which is no. basically sitting and no, splitting if, the if you, if you look at the way teams on the continent play that style, yeah. um, the, the goalkeepers push up as well. Um, mm-hmm. And we're, all, we're saying that about Gerard dropping in the whole lot, but that's, that's if the defence moved 10 yards, he's still going to drop into that space. Be, it's yeah. just 10 yards higher. Yeah. And when we were playing at our most effective and our best, we were that 10 yards higher mm-hmm. and he was still dropping into that space. And even going back to the Chelsea goal, the one that he slips on, right? That def- the defence is right up on the halfway line. Mm. And he's dropping into that space because that's where he's meant to drop in in, in, in that type of thing. He's knitting the play together, mm. right? So, no, there's no issue in terms of if he moves up, the defence just moves up and just compacts our space. It means that we're higher as a unit up the actual pitch and it means that our interchanges and quick moving passes can can happen at a much more easier basis, really. Yeah, and a more dangerous position. Andy, the way I was going to finish that off was in the introduction was basically saying that, yeah, world sees being a success overall. Do we need to bring in, and it's interesting because Phil seems to be going that way, do we need to bring in a viable alternative to him? Someone who can be a real threat. You don't tend to see that maybe so much in the top level teams, but do we need someone? Yeah, well I would have loved to see us hang on to Reina and have that competition there. Um, yeah. I don't think Mingale is the type of goalkeeper that's needs to be pushed. Like, you know, it's not like his, it's not like I could see his performances dip because there's no one challenging him because he knows Brad Jones not going to come in. Hmm. Now it's not going to do it, but it's not going to do any player harm having competition. Like that's brilliant. Um, I don't think I don't think he was the right decision overall. I, you know, I wonder back. Uh, could Rogers have went for a better alternative? Like you know, mm. there's a few things about him that bother me a lot, and that and it, this kicking is the main thing. Like for such for a team that takes a lot of chances at the back, mm. even a goalkeeper that's fairly dodgy hmm. um, he hasn't cost us an awful lot of points but he's nearly cost us an awful, an awful lot of points if you know what I mean if hmm. I had it went other ways hmm. because we've just been the team that scores more than everyone else but he's conceded some horrendous goals you know and he just hasn't cost us the points he's won us an awful lot of points with, with huge saves hmm. but his kicking is uh, commanding in the area like he was coming out there and kind of punching balls instead of trying to take them there after he had the little thing with Carroll um, and I think it was the but I think uh, that, that was the right thing to do in, in that instance because they were flooding him I know, yeah, but five he, or ten bodies on top of him he, he has to punch it like. even when he's punching they're, they're just a bit less convincing it would make you it reminds you a lot of the game's four season with United where um, teams were sort of focusing their attention from set pieces on the goalkeeper like you could you could picture him like getting a little bit bullied if teams started to come to Liverpool and start doing that, like I could picture, he's like we've got used to having characters in the box who's who are very, who are big big characters like you are you know Raina had a big personality there like and a lot of talking, mm-hmm. you see you just notice Mingalays within himself a lot, um even going back Dudek, uh, Westerville was a talker like you know and going back as far as Grobler and whatever they were all very confident fellas like. Mm. In goal, who who were you thinking, or were there any names in particular? Like when you were thinking, it was he the right choice back then? That's funny. Like, look, I mean, I watch Liverpool an awful lot. There's no other team I watch like I watch Liverpool, so I don't really know. Like the obvious ones would have been, I suppose, at the time, Begovic or whatever. Like, yeah. but then he comes in, 
and you learn things about him exactly. that you didn't know mm. before. It's just I was quite surprised at how bad his kicking was. Mm. Like Rainer was brilliant with the with the ball at his feet. Mm. You know what I mean? He was the type of fella who wanted to, you know, friendly games or whatever. He was he fancied himself as a striker. Yeah. You want if you if you're in the team the way we play, you want goalkeepers that fancy themselves with the ball at their feet. Now there was you'd have your shit in yourself sometimes, like the little thorns he was doing, and just barely getting the ball away. Mm, yeah, I don't really yeah. want to see that from him. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, Molly. For you, where where are the confidence levels when it comes to Simon Mina? Is he someone you're happy to look at um, and you can envisage uh, in in the net for the next few seasons? Yeah, I think Minnie's done done well this season. Like if you looked at, uh, he came in there instead of Reina, and. Was he an upgrade on Rainer? Probably not. But I don't think he was a downgrade either. You know, he, his shot stopping is much better than Rainer. But as a lot of lads said, his distribution is nowhere near it. But you have to look at it. Rainer was on 100 grand a week over there. Meanwhile, is probably on about half that. So, you know, for basically the same kind of level of a player, we're getting for half the wages that we were playing. So I, I think Meanwhile has done quite well this season. I do think he needs somebody to come in there to challenge him. Because, yeah. you know, Brad Jones... He's not. He's not challenging him there, and someone like Varm would be perfect to come in there and challenge him because his distribution is fantastic. You know, I've seen him there with Swansea. He's really good with his feet, and he's someone that can come in there and, and push Miguel to be a better player. He already has that in the, the national side with Courtois with Belgium. You know, even at Sunderland, he had Kieran Westwood pushing him, but at Liverpool, he's no one. So I think he needs somebody to come in there yeah. and push him, but. What I've been really impressed with Mingle this season is when he makes a mistake, which he has done a couple of times, he doesn't dwell on it. Yeah. You know, he just gets on with the game mm. and he goes into the next game the very same as he was the last one, same bit of confidence. He, he does just doesn't dwell on mistakes. Rainer used to do that, you know, if he made a mistake, he'd be waiting for another one to come the rest of the game and mm. same with the, the next game after that, he could be prone to one. But Mingle doesn't do that. As soon as he makes a mistake... Is all and done when he gets on the game. So yeah, I've been impressed being this season. And I, 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 I t- sorry, Mike. Go on, go on. No, no, no. I'm just saying that. Yeah, I think he. I've no problem seeing him in the net for the next couple of years. You know. Yeah. I think that, you know he deserves a second season. And, and this right, is I've, 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 I've been saying this right. he wasn't my first choice in terms of who I would have gone for right. but at the same time what he's done this season has more than deserved his, his, his second season he's um, you know and if he grows the way Rodgers has managed to grow other players yeah. um, then you know again we don't know what a ceiling could be because you probably wouldn't have seen what Coutinho as we've just been talking about was going to deliver this season and again I'll go back to some of the saves he made Look, there was the one at Stamford Bridge where it was a dip and shot and it was I watched the back when I watched the Chelsea back game. It was just incredible. Like he gets over basically to the top corner and, and knocks it over the bar. Mm. His one-on-one stops in Goodison Park that kept us in the game the day we drew two all in in the derby. Watch them back again. Lukaku is coming through like a train with the ball at his feet, and he just makes himself so big. He, he you know there, there is no goal for Lukaku to go into. Um, the the penalty stop. I'll go back to the very first day of the season and, and yeah. the penalty stop. Right. Yeah. That moment is a seminal moment in this season. That that was the moment where everything that had gone on to the seasons before, where we did we used to dominate games and do stupid things and give up the results right at the death. That makes a big difference. He's he's brilliant for winning points in shot stopping terms. 
what he needs to do now is become more proactive. And I said this way back when we started this. He's been uh, he's always been a reactive goalkeeper because of the team that he was playing in in Sunderland. He didn't have the you know he he was less involved in terms of having to play the ball with his feet because he was constantly facing shots. He was constantly making saves. They they didn't play a possession type game when he was there. Now he, what he needs to do is right. He's done a season. He's done his four season in the team. He's seen what's what's needed. There is going to be new competition brought in. That should now help him go on and and take the risks. You know, I think he is he's capable of it. I've, I've looked, I looked at him an awful lot over the course of the season, trying to say is he capable of doing something. And then you'd see him do it, and you're saying right, what he needs to do now is let that become instinct, not second guess what he's going to do next. Just do it. And if it leads to a couple of mistakes that wouldn't have happened because he took an extra touch and slowed it down, so be it. Because he will actually gain from the game by being prepared to make a mistake doing the right thing than not being prepared to make a mistake. Mm. Um, And something that Andy said about De Gea and his improvement when he went to United because he learned to cope with the size of the club. He learned to cope with the expectation that was on his shoulders. And I think Mignolet potentially can grow, not maybe not as much, but definitely to a level that will be good enough for us. Um, but again, we'll, t- we'll know more at the end of the second season and he definitely deserves a second season yeah. for us. I'm by no means saying that he should be replaced. No, 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 absolutely not. I think like uh, he, he's here now. You know what I mean? And he has done okay. You know, he's that's the way it is. He's done okay. Mm. He's pulled off great saves and he's made a lot of mistakes. I think the likes of Vorm coming in would be a, a very good uh, kind of bit of competition for him because he could learn from him as well. And what we've seen across the park is so many players uh, have learned from Suarez and how Suarez uses his arse. Yeah. And he uses, yeah, yeah and it, Suarez isn't a, isn't a small fella. Everyone thinks he's a small fella. It's because he's low centre of gravity. But what he does is he gets down low and he makes himself very difficult to be knocked off the ball. And that's exactly what we've seen from Coutinho and uh, Sterling. Sterling that yeah. you didn't see before. So you bring in Vaughan. He's working with Vaughan all day, every day. Yeah. You never know what what he could start doing with the ball at his feet. He mm. doesn't necessarily have to be doing step-overs for fuck's sake. We don't want them doing that. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. We just want them making the right decisions at the right time. Yeah, that he's a bit calmer. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Look, let, let's let's kind of finish out the... The main man. The, 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 yeah, yeah, our review. Uh, look Brendan Rogers. <laughs> Brendan Rogers. <laughs> there you go. There's, there's the introduction. Uh, look, a worthy winner of the Manager of the Year trophy. I think we can agree. Not necessarily because he had a flawless season. We've touched on that already. But because he looks like a man who's capable of learning and adapting... Um, what were his high points, Andy, for you um, over the season? Like, I'm thinking of, we spoke a lot about in-game management. We talked about selections, squad management. But you look at the way he's developed players, like we just mentioned. You look at the tactical astuteness he's shown, uh, and then talk to me about transfers overall. What's your What's your impression of of, of Brendan? Um, I think the way the way he's adapted to. Um Situations that were presented themselves across the season, like with injuries and whatever, and um, some would say that, and we've all said it, that he's kind of had a bit of luck. You know, things have happened not because he's chosen them to happen, but because he was being forced into playing certain players in certain roles and they've done it. But then you have to give him credit because he's drilled that player into playing that role on that given day. Lucky general, Andy. What? Lucky general, yeah. you know, you need, you need them. So, um, my the what's most impressed me uh, is the way he's gone from not just talking to talk. Mm. He's he's a uh, he's he's talking as much as he's doing now. Mm. It's on it's on equal, it's on an equal level. Yeah, 
He's not a. He's not promising nothing crazy. He never got dragged into this. Oh, we're going to win the league shit. Like yeah. they never once rattled him. To be fair, he played a blinder with the media, didn't he? Yeah, he's just like he's, a proper he's, blinder. He's a modern. He's a perfect modern manager. Like he, uh, he has, he has the media eating out of his hand. Yeah, and I'm not being. I'm not. I don't want to sound like some sort of soppy romantic twat, but you compare him because okay, I am but you compare him to Mourinho right as a, just, Must a, be just as, as, <laughs> as a leader of the club <laughs> and you look at look at the way he deport himself it's mm. what you want from a Liverpool man yeah I mean it? like you know? I'm always saying how much of a romantic I am and, uh, about football and I want Liverpool to keep them traditions that they and he's the perfect man to do it yeah you know he's, he's, he's ideal he represents Liverpool perfectly he understands it he doesn't abuse his position he's just there and always bearing in mind what impact what he says or what he does could have on the club. Mm. Like, I mean, a fella who's come from kind of not out of nowhere because he's had brilliant training and, you know, coaching over the years and what he, where he's ended up. But I'm going from the kind of uh, championship manager to a season with Swansea mm. to Liverpool manager. Mm. Like, there's other people who'd let that go to their head. Yeah. And he'd be walking around the touchline like he's fucking, yeah. you know, he's the fucking yeah. shop yeah. with a pair of shades on and all, and just fucking Adam Pardew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's kept his he's kept his feet in the uh, on the ground, and like imagine you had a prick like Mourinho managing Liverpool. Like it just doesn't, it wouldn't add up. Like it just wouldn't make sense. Yeah. But this fella is 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 just Liverpool, and I'm absolutely fucking delighted that he's he's now committing his future and and you know the club and him are showing their confidence in each other mm. and I, I hope he's around for a long time you know obviously if he is around for a long time he's going to have success mm. but he's the type of fella you want to see bring that success to Liverpool Absolutely uh, Molly to, to focus it in I suppose just a little bit so that we don't get too wandering because there's so much to talk about with the manager what for you were, were, were probably his, his strongest what was his strongest point as a manager overseas and, and where do you think maybe he, he, he maybe didn't uh, perform as well He's had a really few a good few strong points but his in-game management has really impressed me this season so at times he made some substitutions that just made me scratch my head and thinking, what is he up to? But, you know, he really got him wrong. He really did. It's been absolutely fantastic this season for that. Clear development. That's some Reds who've been really good at. I think that's a big reason why FSG hired him. But not only in the player developments and the players he has at the club, like, say, the Sterlings and the Coutinho's, and, you know, he's brought those on. But even the guys that he, he sent out on loan, that's what, he's been really clever with that. You know, the way he sent off there and Wisdom and Sousa, you sit them off to clubs to play the kind of same football that we do, and you sit them off to clubs where they can star and grow. So that really is a place for the season as well with him. Yeah, absolutely. And would there be a negative side for you? I think that you think he could. Well, the only thing that, that that I thought it is he's been negative side is, like for example, when we were playing Crystal Palace and we went three one three one. Or sorry, we were three one up when Palace scored that goal. At that stage, he should have brought on Agar really. And just showing it up, but he's one of these kind of managers that he, he just wants to go for it. You know, there's there's no sitting back and defending a lead with him. Mm. You know, if, if he he just wants to go and score as many goals as possible. So maybe that's something that in the future he can look at and go, mm, okay, we're one nil up or two nil up, whatever it is. That's enough of time to show up to defence and bring on an extra centre back or take off a forward and bring on an extra midfielder or something. Yeah. But other than that, that's that's about it. 
um, Phil, for you, is there anything that we could maybe look at from a, a more negative point of view? Because clearly there's a oh, lot yeah. to say that's good. Oh, yeah, come to me for the negativity. Uh, oh, go yeah, on, yeah. go on, Phil. Go on. <laughs> do, do your fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> let's go back to... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there's a there's a there's a couple of things that probably annoyed me over the course of the season. Um, his love of Victor Moses really fucking got on my wick, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I would rather seen probably the likes of Teixeira or even keeping Jordan Oybe on loan and sending Moses back at Christmas time to Chelsea and, and using him more in, in, in the second half of the season. It's very hard to criticize. But listen, he got us to second place from a base that nobody was expecting us to go. We were challenging for the title on the last day of the season, right? Mm. His in-game management, for me anyway, I know Modi thinks, I, I think that can improve on. Um, I think he, he got a lot of things right. He also got some things wrong and I think that's a growth thing. But the more he gets used to handling the squad um, and over a longer game period, or I'm sorry, over, over a greater number of games, that will intrinsically improve as well as we go along. Which he'll have next year. Which he will have next year. And the next step for me will be seeing how he manages squads. Like he said he likes a small squad hmm. I don't think he's a manager who likes to change his team and I think that's been borne out when the players that Sorry. are in the team that have been fit he tends to stick with the same 11 and I think what we've seen from teams that are in the Champions League because there is such wear and tear on the team over the course of, of 47 games which is the guaranteed minimum you're going to play over, over the actual course of the season could be more I don't know I just made a number there but anyway that's good <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that <laughs> anyway over the 47 games <laughs> <laughs> Well, there is because out of forty six or something, anyway. But he's going to have to move. He's going to have to, you know, bring players in and out because the likes of Gerard. I don't think Gerard will be able to do a fifty game start fifty games next season mm-hmm. if he doesn't if he avoids injury. Um, and likewise, I think you'll need to move around and change things up for when you're playing in Europe. So, but maybe he's seen a bit of that in Europa where he played the younger kids. You know, when we were in the Europa League group games, and he was prepared to change it around. So I'm hoping that that's what we'll see because I thought it was it was very sad at times when times it was doing and he was maybe a bit nervous on the run-in to change things around too much to, to what was going on. Um, but apart from that, I, I can't really fault, the, fault what Brendan Rodgers has done. What Brendan Rodgers has done for us is he's given us belief again, something that we haven't had mm. since 08-09. We're looking in, going into this season, going, we're, we're giving out about some of our targets, saying if we want to be winning the league, if we want to be, listen to the start of that sentence, uh-huh. if we want to be winning the league. Get your head around that. You know, yeah. he's made us, he's grown. He's know, made this club great again. Do you know what's interesting, Phil? Is the job doesn't look too big for this man. No, no. And he, uh, he's grown with it, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, and he has... Like, notably. The, there's a presence and an aura. Andy says he has the press eating out of his hands, right? But there is a presence and an aura when he's on, in front of the microphone, in front of the television screens, or he's doing an interview. It's not just Liverpool fans now that want to listen to him. Mm. It's, it's fans of other teams. There's, there's, uh, the, the, the Brenton has been lost in, oh, in what he's doing yeah. because he's delivering a message which is, which is delivering on the pitch. It's what Andy said. He's walking the walk as much as he's talking the talk. And I can guarantee you now if, if you were to go to 90% of English fans and said, listen, we'll dump Roy for the World Cup uh, but we'll put Brendan in charge to, to, to lead England into the World Cup, they would fucking chop their bollocks off to, to, for that to happen because mm. what, he's, uh, what he does to a team is he makes the team believe. Not only has he made the fan base believe but he's made the team believe. Steven Gerrard believed this season. Right, he, and he did, and he, he also had confidence in players that two seasons ago he may not have had confidence in, and that's because Brendan has made him buy into the message and believe in the players that he's put on the pitch. I'm I'm just absolutely distracted by this idea of a lot of happy English eunuchs watching their team going to success <laughs> in the World Cup. That's magic. I think not not just the England fans, but I think uh, any any English football fan, no matter who they support, would probably swap their manager for Rodgers. Mm. Mm. Um, that that presence about him in that people want to listen to him in press conferences. I think he 
yeah, he's gradually losing it. He hasn't got a big aura or charisma about him just yet. I think he sold himself well to the dressing room because they all fucking love him. They all believe him. There's very little. That's massive, it. yeah. But uh, when he, you know, I, I think before you know, it, we're, we're all going to be kind of glued to the TV, you know. And, and that that what you're saying has happened. I think that's that's going to happen where people are just in awe of him, you know. Mm. And and exactly what you say, just listening to this message that he's delivering. There's some people out there who still think he's a blagger. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, you, you know, but you know, there's, there's going to be those that are died in the wall and they're idiots, basically, right? Mm. But the, the one thing I'll say, and maybe this is one thing that he needs to improve on, is his knockout management skills, right? In the league, teams approach games different to the knockout phases, right? And you know, we got knocked out of the, the Carling Cup to United, and we were knocked out of the FA Cup to Arsenal this year because the teams approach the game differently to, and, than if it was a league game. Because there's something to lose in a league game. There's nothing to lose in a cup game, bar the actual game itself. And teams are more open and aggressive in the way they play. And maybe that's that. If we get out of the group stage of the Champions League, that's where he'll need to then pick up again. The only advantage he has in that type of European competition is their two-legged affairs. So it isn't straight knockout in terms of what's there. He'll know that you know. You, the, that's the growth. Mm. He'll probably have to learn that you know it's okay to take a draw away from home in Europe. Yeah. Once you win the home game, this is a bit of a flyer here, but I just want to throw it out because it's after cross my mind. Feel free to edit this shit out later on if you want. But speaking of the Champions League, right, and they're talking about us being in part three. What are, what are your feelings? Like, do you want do you want to hold scattery top names just to get us back and play massive games in the early group stages, or do you like a weak weak group that we could probably progress from? It's a big ask. Uh, Top ma- top names for me. Yeah, uh, me I, couldn't, I couldn't really give a shit. I, t- I just uh, relish the idea of Barca coming to Anfield yeah, in the group and just have them group because games. I'm looking across Europe and I'm thinking, is there a player, a team that Liverpool should fear? Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. Maybe Bayern Munich. Yeah. So yeah. as long as we avoid them, give us, <laughs> <laughs> give us anyone else. Uh, I do. Fair I do think. I. I, I mean. I. Uh, like. It's a big test for Rogers. Yeah. Because we haven't really seen him in that environment. Okay. We the Europa League, but I it's don't exciting think, though, Andy, isn't it? Yeah, to see what he'll do with it. The Europa League was very much parked. I think he'll still prioritise the league, but he won't. Like he won't treat the Champions League like he did the Europa League. No. The Europa League was just there and it was parked, but. It's a big test and it's going to be interesting to see because Rogers is only about the plan A. You know, we haven't really seen him go playing for draws. We haven't really seen him sort of do the Rafa thing where he calculates how many points exactly we need and just go about just getting them points. Mm. Like Rogers is going to want to win every single game and that could be his downfall or it could be his success. It could be and it's looking like it's up. The only thing is, uh, and I'll go back to the Europa one. Yeah, He was prepared to go to away teams and take the draws there, right? Um, may have not panned out because he was playing the kids in those games. Um, mm. But then he really went for it at home in terms of getting the wins when they were at home. Um, and that, to me, signals that he has a grasp of what's needed when you get into Europe. And I think the, the big question for me will be being able to balance Champions League performance against the necessity of making the Champions League again. Yeah. Right. Mm. So I know we're all going on that it was, you know, let's challenge for the league and all next year. But the priority again has to be to get back into the Champions League once we're in the Champions League. Well, if we don't, we're Spurs, and that can't happen. Potentially, but like again, it, it's the and that that's going to be his biggest challenge mm. because for me, I'm I'm like I'd be willing to give him a, to me. He's on a free pass for next year because for me again, the aim is make sure we're back in the Champions League with Champions League football 
involved mm. in this one because that's 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 a progression for him as a manager. He mm. has to manage two competitions. He has to play. He has to perform well. In. Yeah. Well, look, if 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 we are going to progress in that tournament, and if we are going to successfully get Champions League f- uh, football for the following season. We're going to need recruits. I don't think anyone's in any doubt about that. So we should really think about maybe the general summer topic of um, squad change and transfers. And Molly, is there anything uh, that's looking likely as far as you can see at the moment? Well, Enric Hens seems to be the big one at the moment. Like We were chatting on WhatsApp there about two weeks ago and I'd mentioned that we bid for Enric Hens on it. Now, I know people are going to come out and go, oh, they came out and said no official bid was made and all that. But they need to, people need to look into these reports. As soon as something is said, like, no official bid was made, yeah. that means there's something happening because they're using the word official for a reason. So that must mean that someone has rang them up and said, look how much you're looking for, we're willing to pay that, whatever it is. If <laughs> we're monitoring. Said, yeah, yeah. yeah, monitoring. Like, if they come out and say, no bid was made, then that's fine. But as soon as you use words like no official contact or no official bid, then you can be guaranteed something's happening. So I've been told to expect some news on him within the next 48 hours. Mm. And he seems to be one of those multifunctional players that Brandon's talking about. One of these guys who can fill in a number of positions. I know, Phil, you've watched him a good bit, haven't you? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I can't remember a text or what I did last summer, but I remember when he went to Leverkusen for five million, I was saying to myself, Jesus, he would have been a good signing for us. Mm. Um, he was like... I remember watching him in, in Mexico and it was under the 17th and 19th World Cup when he was captain in Germany over there. It was this tournament that Sterling was on fire in. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Morgan was playing up front as well for England in that tournament. And I was watching the German team. They, they were they were brilliant in, in, in that tournament itself. And, and Chan was in the middle of the park and he was just dominating things that was going on. You know what I mean? He has the... He, again, he's one of these players. He can play left back. He can play centre midfield. He can even play as an attacking midfielder. But he, he naturally naturally is a defensive midfielder right and he's, he's, the, he's the style of midfielder that Gerard was playing in in terms of when he was playing for Leverkusen as a defensive midfielder he was dropping in between the centre backs naturally hmm. he's a big physical unit so he can also play as an auxiliary centre back so that you know we're talking about multi capable players on, on this pitch and Chan really has me excited that if we're in for him and we activate this and we get him my concern is on this one is not so much can we can we meet the asking price because it's it's a twelve million euro uh, release clause which Voller has confirmed that mm. that's in his in his contract so that's that's not an issue now right yeah um it's does Chan himself want to come over potentially staying at Leverkusen for another season and maybe going back to Bayern Munich now I doubt the Bayern Munich link because they've gone out and they signed Sebastian Rode this season. Um, as a defensive midfielder, they have Javi Martinez there, and despite all the the, the rumours that's going on, Martinez, I I don't think will be going anywhere from from Bayern Munich because he's played a lot of games with him and he was injured an awful lot They'd during the course of the season. Yeah, and they've all, they're also playing Thiago in, in as a defensive midfielder in Munich, and they've also had Philip Lam excel as a, a defensive midfielder for Bayern Munich mm. this season. So straight away, there's four players. They've also got a, I think it's Jan Kirchhoff is out at Schalke, who's playing centre back but can also play as a defensive midfielder. So. If you're looking at Bayern Munich and you're looking at how many are they short in that department, they're far from short in that department. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, as I was saying earlier, pardon my lack of Panini football sticker album knowledge, but is is Chan in the senior squad for no. Germany? He no. didn't make it. No, he's in the 21s. Um, the <coughs> Christoph Kramer, who is a Leverkusen player who's on loan to Borussia Mönchengladbach, who's 23, I think it is. Mm. He's had an absolute electric season at Gladbach. You've been going about him as well, haven't you? Yeah, Quite a bit. yeah. yeah. and um, he's gone. He's in the pre- preliminary squad. Um, 
Yakim Lowe hasn't actually announced the squad, the final squad. Hmm. Um, but Chan is definitely one of those who's going to come through for Germany in the next couple of seasons. And I said to you when we were linked with him, like you know, you got the you got the WhatsApp message and the whole lot. I was genuinely excited about the potential sign of this excited, fellow. Yeah, yeah just yeah. just just a the bit. The photos were a bit much. I mean, nobody needed that. <laughs> <laughs> nobody needed to see that shit. Uh, Andy, an awful lot of players that we're being linked with at the moment. Um, it's depressingly predictable stuff, isn't it? Like, who's done well with a team that Southampton pool. Let's, yeah. let's pick yeah, Southampton pool. Like. Liverpool. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, Rovers. That's what leads you to, leads you to believe that, how, you know, how much of this is actually going on because yeah. every link is sort of makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm. The Chan one is a bit, geez, yeah, that's it. Yeah, where's that going? And it seems to have legs. Yeah. It seems to have a lot of truth in it. But again, yeah, I mean... To fucking it just constantly happens with, with Liverpool it's just these performers in the Premier League get linked to this well, and the, quite the, often it doesn't happen it, 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 there can't be nothing to this Lalana thing where do you stand on that especially like the, the, the whole money thing sort of wrecks my head a bit I remember we spoke about money in this, on this before yeah. it's not our fucking money like no, I don't no. you know it doesn't bother me so much but by the same token, I don't know how good this kid. Yeah, you don't really want to. You don't want to see the club getting shafted. You don't want. You don't want people laughing at the fact that like he comes in, he does shy, and everyone's just breaking their bollocks laughing that we've spunked twenty five million that could have went on God knows who. Mm. I mean, I'm not paid to scout players for Liverpool. I'm not paid to pick out these targets across Europe. But you wonder is for twenty five million is that better than Lalana mm. out there? Um, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's only had one good season. Hmm. you know what I mean last season the Premier League he wasn't anything special and then he the, his career was in the championship before that. now that's not that doesn't mean that this fella can't excel and play you know have five or good more seasons in the league under say Rodgers but you, you, you know you just wonder about him but that, like there's definitely something fucking going on there that has to be but it's that thing you were saying there myself and Phil were speaking about before the pod started there's a serious lack of imagination um, involved in the shouts that are, are, are being put out there in the paper so it yeah. kind of makes you wonder okay our committee you know what the fuck <laughs> yeah it's when I see that fucking committee scrapped like okay someone has to be whether it's a director of football there has to be someone in the club that's uh, sole job is players coming in and committee is something we're trying out at the moment mm. I'd sooner see Rogers pick his targets bring them in take responsibility for them other than players that are just put in there and say listen uh, Brandon you know we've got this fella for you uh, see you know see what you can do and then Rogers kind of in the, in the back of his mind going but you, you really think that's bastards. it bastards like no but you, no. <laughs> <laughs> he must have been saying that with last bastard. <laughs> he must have been but do you really think I, I, I don't think it is I think like I think a, a lot of this sort of oh that's a committee target oh that's a Rogers target oh blah 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 right I don't think nobody really knows no, I, 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 I don't, nobody knows I don't think there's any way that Brendan Rodgers will say will will allow a player to come in or not put up a fucking hell of a fight if he doesn't want that player. But we to do come know in. we have a committee. That's one of the things we do. Yeah. Know. I don't have an issue with the committee as 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 a, as an entity, mm. right? Um, so, because so I, what well, unless every, every club is going to have some form of a committee because they have a series of scouts and mm. they're going to come back with reports and they're going to give their opinions on players and then it's going to be made on the basis of well, if this look look at say. Logically, we're looking at an attacking midfielder, right? Mm. Who have we got, lads? They're hardly going to all say. Lalana, and they're going to say, well, if Lalana's the only, what the fuck were you doing for the rest of the year? Around the piss. Uh, <laughs> Great oh, season. Looks <laughs> I mean, they, around, the, around the lash. Do you not see that? We nearly won the league. <laughs> the the committee thing is just the the FSG thing, isn't it? Like, I mean, that's where it's going to come from. With the whole money ball thing, you fellas 
you fellas sitting around a table talking about players who we can get <laughs> cheaper. <laughs> it's cheaper. Yeah, that sounds awful. That sounds awful familiar. <laughs> but you know what, you know, like all clubs have this this committee thing. It's just that Liverpool were stupid enough to give it a name and put it out for uh, the, the committee. But yeah, could be right there, do it. Yeah. United, Arsenal, they all have, the, uh, yeah. as Phil said, the, the team of scouts, you know, yeah. the chairman, chief exec, manager. They all sit around and they all discuss transfer targets and who they should go for and who they shouldn't. But, as I said, Liverpool were stupid enough to actually give it a name. Yeah, I mean, but they all do it. They made it sound like it's a it's a bunch of ticks. They're probably all know what they're talking about, not like us. <laughs> Unless they've been on the lash for the season. Yeah. Who are we going for? Southampton played well this year. They pass. Let's buy them. Brian, Schneiderlin, Lovren. It just, it just, uh, it just sort of... Uh, it it just seems like their goal isn't so much finding amazing players, it's finding alternatives. So rather than rather than whatever Martinez who might cost Liverpool forty million or whatever mm. to bring in, they might go, Well, there's a fellow with the same stats, he passed the same amount and he and he okay. I, I, I don't think that that's I I think that's that's something that's been put out there. I think there's a like there, there's science involved. I, I also think I think they've been they've been uh, pains to stress. You know, the, the, there's more than just the stats. There's a mentality thing. Rogers being it was a pains to stress. He, he's looking at certain technical abilities and mentality in players as well when he was talking that time. And I just think you know, I, I'd be I, like I, I'm looking at the Lallana thing for 25 million, and, and I'm, I'm in the same boat as Andy saying like 25 million for Lallana seems outrageous, right? Yeah. Um, I, just, I, I, I fail. I don't believe it anyway. I think if he does sign, it's going to be yeah. it'll come out in the wash. It's actually closer to 17 or 18 yeah, million. Yeah, with add-ons or something like yeah. that, right? Because if you look at it, right, they're talking that 15 million will get Shakiri and 15 million will get Konoplyanka, right? Now, if we're talking about a total transformation or of your attacking side or bringing in attacking midfielders but you're talking 30 million for those two players at, at worst right yeah. because they've said that there's a 15 million euro release clause in Colonel Plianca so that's 12 million sterling right mm. and you can get two players now one does your, your you know one of your front three and then you get Shakiri in who can do front three or play attacking midfield very similar to Lana. And for the, for the same prices as, as what you'd pay, that's for not one a discussion Atlanta. at all. No, but, but this is yeah, what I'm saying. Mad. And there's no way that the Liverpool scouting committee or transfer committee, or whatever, haven't had that debate, haven't looked at the the objectives here, and have said to themselves, right, if we get this in, just out of it, right? Since Christmas, we've been linked with Jay Rodriguez, Morgan Schneiderlin, Adam Lallana, Lovren, Dejan Lovren, Nathaniel Klein, and Luke Shaw, uh, yeah, and the, the, the font. As well, Front, yeah. the whole Southampton team. Basically, the whole Southampton. basically, yeah. anyone who's good with Southampton, yeah. we've been linked. With. We've been linked with what and it, you know, and it, it kind of, yeah. it kind of fucking adds up, doesn't it? Like Southampton are this team that are, you know, playing attractive football, yeah. and uh, the players that are excelling themselves, and people are saying that's very likely. But that's what I'm talking about. Where's the fucking imagination? There's no imagination yeah. there. That's just. And I'm, I'm sure our scouts have looked at those players, and I think we're in negotiations for Adam Lallana, and because we're in negotiations with Southampton for one player, right? It's very easy to put two and two together and come up with nine players. Yeah, no, it, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But you're like, look, Lalana's always going to be a difficult one. He's the club captain. He's been around for ages. I'm trying to pry as a player away from a club like that, you know, is very difficult. It's mm. like kind of mm. ta- trying to take Gerard from us. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
it, well, I think he's ready to go himself. I think the, the, the big push here will be that Lallana will probably come out and say he, he you know, he wants to he go wants to Liverpool, to go, especially now to, with the manager yeah, going, and he wants to sort out a transfer fee. And like Andy says, that'll probably end up with a sixteen million pound deal because of the back. The, the issue supposedly, and it's been in the papers, Molly, you can probably confirm this, is that there's a twenty five percent sell on fee that goes to Bournemouth, and and Southampton are looking yeah. to clear twenty. And their million. agent is actually uh, on to Bournemouth recently. Lallana's agent, he was at the Bournemouth to see could he cut a deal there. Could something be done with that twenty five percent? Yeah, but uh, I, I think this with Pochettino, if he does go to Spurs, I think Lallana will be out the door soon after that. I think the Southampton board have really been kind of putting him on the back burner to see what story is with Pochettino first mm-hmm. before they make a decision on Lallana. But now that but Poch looks like he's out, I think Lenana will be next out. The, the only concern I have about the transfer talk that we've had at the moment is right. The focus has been on Lallana who's a, an attacking midfielder or can play in the centre midfield and also Chan right now Chan to me is one that we need we need another defensive midfielder and he can also play as a centre midfielder right that's, that's brilliant that's exactly what we need in the squad but we still need a dominant centre back yes. to go into that team and um, by Christ four full backs we need outside of Flano <coughs> yeah. we need more full backs now Andre Wisdom's had a great season for Derby I can see him coming in and being a, a, fill, a fill in for, for the right back position mm-hmm. but in my mind the idea of Johnson staying on for another season is not good enough I think and we need a left back mm-hmm. the idea of Wisdom now coming back to Liverpool as a right back right, I, I just don't just don't want to have that now like this stage like Wisdom's had his year out now and played you know as a centre back for the whole time he and played right back for Derby did he? Okay, yeah. well, that's that's <laughs> show so much over fucking there. Um, there you go. <laughs> okay, excellent. <laughs> I think that's the best way I we can end the transfer. Join us next week for more of this shit. A bloke sitting around ta- around the table talking about transfer fees. Okay, let's move it on then and finish up our show with our listeners' questions. The first one's from at Original Toff on Twitter, and he asks, what is your favourite insult from a movie? Um, Molly, any shouts on this? Well, I like the insult from Blade 3, which is your cock-juggling thunder cunt, which came from Ryan Reynolds and Blade 3. There's no answer, there's no comeback to that insult, so I'll go down. Cock- Juggling thunder cunt. Yes, that is that's pretty spectacular. There's a there's a whole scatter of them in um, in um, Anchorman. I was watching a collection. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I recommend that. I'm going to punch you in the ovaries. Is one of my favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a, a smelly pirate hooker as well. I'm quite fond of that uh, that one too. Any other any other movie insults from any of the lads around the table? No. Drawing a blank. I, I can never remember insults. The only one that came to mind was from that film. See? From the film. We <laughs> <laughs> had this before. Yeah, the yeah. film with the lads yeah. who went to war. What, was it? what, did, you, what did you call it? Uh, the bus that re- can... Uh, not remote control. Remote control. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> me. It's one, you know, Private Pal, you are a worthless piece of shit. You know that one? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What's the, that's the film with the lads. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> going to the war. <laughs> About the war. In the helicopters. Uh, ne- next question, which will hopefully be a bit more specific, is uh, from uh, Nick. And Nick asks... Uh, uh, he says, John Joe Shelby was the king of golf. Um, what sports do you reckon other LFC players would excel at? Andy, anyone you might think might be good at anything? Um, I'm actually quite surprised that they're not, there's not better golfers in the club. Like, they were always, the Liverpool were always well known for their good golfers, like going back. Yeah, Hanson was handy, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, scratch golfer, Kenny yeah. scratch golfer. Kenny's like, not a scratch golfer, is he? Yeah, he's, well, I think in his day, he probably okay. was. I think he's playing okay. off around five. Jesus. Julian okay. uh, Dix, he was a professional golfer. 
But um I think the lowest handicap in the club now is five or six, that's Agar. And Shelby was in and around that when he was there. Mm. But that's not great. That you know, it. that's not great when you consider like you'd imagine Jared has a whopper that golf. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's I think he's only off around twelve, fourteen, something like that. Yeah. Enrique you know. is the best EA Tiger Woods golfer in the world. No doubt about it. <laughs> like, what Topless golfer. <laughs> Topless, Topless golfer. Golf. What are these fuckers doing now? That's what I'd like to know. I mean, Play, back playing, in the day they were off playing golf. Like, what are they doing? But and apart from your disillusionment with their lack of golfing skills, the question was basically asking you, can you imagine them being good at any other sports and who can you pick out if you, that might be good at something? I mean, wisdom as a rugby league player. He really looks at it. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, I suppose he does, yeah. Uh, Sacco like, has destroyed of a basketball player for me. Does he? The stride of a basketball player. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. But how about Martin Skirtle as a wrestler? Definitely judge by how he defends the corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah um, shout, shout. Joe Allen has to be a jockey because of his wonderful ensemble that checker joke. Oh, God, yeah. Or he could be a chessboard. <laughs> Joe Allen, the chessboard. Let's, we'll just finish with that because that's... <laughs> <laughs> Molly, there's a there's a there's a kind of a medical based question here. I know you've got a little bit of background in this, so I'm going to come to you, Matthias. He's wondering, what's the rash I have in my bollocks? Well, I, I've had this before, so I know what it is. Oh yeah, galloping cockroach. A galloping oh. cockroach. And <laughs> what is what is the uh, what is the the recommended treatment for that, Doctor Molly? Oh, soda cream. That, 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 that. <laughs> Operation H. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another one uh, from Toff uh, who, who contributed a question early on says which character from a film Andy would you live with it can be a platonic relationship or a romantic relationship it doesn't really matter you can live with a character from a film who would it be uh, it's not going to be Mick Dundee is it <laughs> <laughs> nah 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 um, <laughs> Bruce Willis Bruce Willis yeah, I'd, like him, I'd, I'd like him to be me dad <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <Yeah>. brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be fucking deadly, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. 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 Dad, can you go and sort, sort that shit yeah. out? Ah, <laughs> oh, fucking, fucking yeah, bad, bad guys, fucking brilliant. You go around the van and you're with a wheel race, battering your place. <laughs> Molly, if you could pick a, a film character to live with for the rest of your life, who would it be? Oh, we already spoke with Anchor Man, but Ron Burgundy. Imagine living with him. I love Scott. Scott, Scott, Scott. So I'd be happy out just live with Ron Burgundy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that could be fun, all right. Uh, <laughs> Floyd asks, Phil, uh, this is a bit harsh perhaps, he says, what's worse, getting kicked in the bollocks or watching Scottish football? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that doesn't require an answer. <laughs> uh, um, right. Qu- questioner extraordinaire Paul Murray has one for us. And he says, if you could have free, unlimited service from either a brilliant cook, a chauffeur, or a masseuse, which one would you choose? Cook. You'd have a cook in situ for you every day. Yeah, big time. That could that could that not go very badly wrong for you though? Like over over for a lifestyle choice, could you not end up being a roly bastard? Like, so fuck. <laughs> cook for you, Phil. I like driving, so chauffeur is off the list. You like driving? Uh, uh, yeah, exactly, chauffeur. <laughs> Nougat. <laughs> Who's giving you shit about nougat? That was Who brilliant. gives a fuck? That was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> the cork is a, is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I'd, I'd probably go with a masseuse. Would you? Yeah. What are you going? Yeah. Well, okay. What am I going to do with masseuse? <laughs> a happy ending. Or not? Happy ha- happy finish setup there. Obviously, you can have a cook with a happy ending. <laughs> 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 just that one. <laughs> American Pie tonight. <laughs> Finally then, some admin. We'll be keeping up the weekly podcast over summer, and whilst it may vary in length, we'll be sticking to the same crew and the same formula. And with the greatest show on earth coming up, we intend to cover the World Cup in our own way. And we hope to provide a bit of an original slant in our coverage. As ever, we'll be keeping you right in the bleeding edge of what's new at Liverpool Football Club. The site will remain up and running over summer with the usual high-quality content, including a belter, which is on there from our own Paul Brennan at the moment. Thanks, as ever, to Astro Park for a great year of hosting us. And thanks to the wonderful Johnny Rep for their uh, music, which has been the intro to our, ch- uh, to our show all year. Uh, your day trippers tonight were Molly, Andy Young, Phil Casey and myself, Trev Downey. At Capella University... Education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace, set your own deadlines, and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it. Because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sports Social Podcast Network.